0: It's crazy on the one of the darkest places on earth, on the Thai-Burma border, and uh, we're shining as lights, just like a huge lighthouse, and so you're going to see all of it. I don't want to, I want to show the update video, because if not, then I'll, I'll keep you guys too long, but I have something in my heart before we get started. Can you just, can we just start by, like, we've always known each other and we love each other, because I have something in my heart, and usually people have to warm up and see if they like somebody in funky pants and different things like that. It's honestly the warmest thing I have on freezing cold. Cold. I came from Thailand, you know, and I'm freezing. And so I had to wear the warmest thing I had. So if I look like a freak, don't you know, just forgive me. But um, I want to go over to Psalm 127 because I want to do this before we get started, really quick. And uh, the Lord told me to do this, and it's very important. And so I really have this strongly in my heart. I'm sorry, Psalms 126. It's not in any of your cues or notes or media. Uh, Basically, the whole T. Meyer family, Pastor Joel, Sherry, Amy, Jeff, I mean, just mom, dad, the whole T. Meyer family, I was just praying about you guys and just praying about the service, and the Lord just gave me Psalm 126, five, uh, actually four, and it says, and we'll start there, and uh, it says, bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south, those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. And, when I was praying about the service, you guys just kept popping up, and it's been a tough year for all of you guys, right? And the Lord just showed me how you kept sowing, and you kept giving, and you kept going forward, and you didn't slow down, and you didn't stop, and you kept doing what you knew to do, and you just kept sowing your seed even with tears. And what he showed me was I just saw you guys carrying a harvest, just carrying a harvest of everything that has to be repaid for you. What, what The Bible says when a thief is found, he must repay sevenfold. You guys know this. And so, but I just saw you guys carrying a harvest of the things that were promised that the enemy tried to seal, different promises, different things, uh, health, uh, personal promises, just different finances, time, just ministry stuff, just different things. I saw that uh, the enemy tried to take from you during that time of just weeping. And I just saw you guys carrying it, rejoicing and laughing. And I just saw a time of harvest coming towards you now. Can you guys stand up? We want to pray for you as a church. I just really feel really strong. Church, let's pray for them. You know, we're on the front lines in Thailand, and I'm telling you, we're at war. And for us, there's no retreating. There's no surrendering. We're in it till death. We're we're not going to give up. The enemy can't take us out. He tries and he tries, and you're looking at, like, these are people that keep fighting on the front lines, and there is no retreat, and there is no su- surrender. It's victory or death. I stole it from the Alamo, but it is, and it's true. It's true. There's victory or death till the end. We're going to keep fighting. We're going to keep serving. We're going to keep reaching this generation. We're going to keep building the kingdom of God. We're not going to falter, so I want to pray. Can you guys stretch forth your hands to your pastors and your leaders, and let's pray for this harvest season in their life you <laughs> Father, I thank you for this family and for everything that they've given to the kingdom, Father, and everything that they stand for for the kingdom. Father, I thank you. It says during times of just weeping and times of hard troubles and during all these different times that's just blowing out, as they've stood faithful, they've stood true, they've stood strong when the waves have beat, they've stood there holding on to you. And so, Father, I thank you for a season upon them, a season of double for their trouble, Father God. I thank you for a reason. I thank you for a harvest. I thank you for sheaves. I thank you that everything that the devil has stole, that you repay. And when you repay, when it's God's payday, oh, you look out. And so I thank you for a repayment on them, a repayment sevenfold, Father, of joy, of time, of health in their bodies, in their finances, in their ministries, in their dreams, in the secret desires of their heart, Father, in the promises that you've given to them. I thank you for a harvest time. I thank you for a a time of rejoicing. I hear laughter in their mouth. I thank you for a time of laughter, a time of joy, uh, just a repayment time, a repayment time for this family, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. I really believe it. Sometimes we just got to take care of business and do what the Lord has told us to do, right? I have another video for you really quick, and then I'll and then i get into my message. So if we have that update video cute, if we can play it. I'm with Pastor Salai, and this is Kilo 20. Uh, This is a project that we started because it's a very at-risk area, completely unreached, uh, never heard the gospel. A lot of animists in this. They worship the the trees. They worship the spirits. And so he is breaking ground here. One of the major things that they've started to reach the children of this community is a school. These kids have to work in the fields. They're uh, 10 years old, 11 years old, 12 years old, sent in the fields to labor. If they don't, if they don't work, they don't eat. They live hand to mouth. They have to go and pick the food for that night. So if we get a school and we we feed them, We were able to teach them it'll change their life. It'll change their future. So that's what we did. We said, get all the kids. We don't want to see any 12 year olds, any 10 year olds working in the fields. Want them to come. Pastor Salai and his wife and a soon to be new baby, they're the ones that started the school. We have 30 children here that are prevented. This is our prevention project. It prevents children from being sold and trafficked. A lot of children here will go into the slave trade and will go into uh, the brothels down in Bangkok, get trafficked, unless we intervene and unless we provide solutions for the families at a whole, keep these children together, keep these children and their families together, but provide creative ways for them to support their family, for them to not have to sell their children, provide creative ways for them to just see that their children are valuable and they're not commodities to be sold, or they're not a burden that they just, another mouth to feed, but yet they're their future, they're the hope for their family, they're the next generation, these children that would never ever know a, a chalkboard, know a pencil, know a piece of paper, If anything, they were destined to be laborers, they were destined to be uh, child slaves, or destined to eventually be trafficked or sold down to Bangkok. These children are now getting an education. They're prevented from being sold and their life story has changed forever. He was a beggar. He had to make 70 baht a day. If not, they'd beat him four years old, so cute, super cute. His mom had sold him to the mama-san, or mama-sans are the uh, the owners of the street beggar ring or the street beggar children, and the mom had sold him for $30. uh, And she's actually a prostitute in Bangkok. And so we, we are trying to get him, trying to negotiate with them. Met with the mama son twice. She wouldn't give him up. It was he was her bread and butter. He was one of her the favorite um, the favorites on the street because the, the one of the most earners because he is so cute. So finally, after lots of negotiation, they kept him from the streets for about a month because they were scared we were gonna get them. And just by chance, one day, we were here with the team. We were walking up and down, prayer walking, and uh, he was there with all the children, and we were able to snatch him and to get him that day and to rescue him, And, uh, and we got him miraculously. So right after this little boy, we got another girl and her baby brother seven-year-old girl with one-year-old baby brother. I mean, just the baby brother was about to die. He looked just so disfigured. His skin was falling off his bones. He couldn't walk. And the mom, again, had uh, they she had left down to Bangkok to be a prostitute, and she had left a $100 debt to these kids to pay off. So they had to beg every day, the seven-year-old sister with the one-year-old brother on, his hip, on her hip, had to beg every day to try to pay off the mom's $100 debt to get down to Bangkok. The baby was gonna die. I mean, if we didn't interact, if we didn't get them, then definitely that baby was gonna die. And you should see them now, within three months, they look like completely different children. They filled up. I mean, just all of it. They look like completely different children. We know that their life was forever changed. And that's part of it, to the scripture that the Lord had given us about these three children and what we could do right here in no man's land with all these children that are sold. He just said, I'll give you the precious treasures in darkness. And we just know that these street kids, they're the precious treasures sitting in darkness waiting for us to come and get them, waiting for us to come and pick them up, to wash the dirt off them, to clean them up and give them a hope and a future in Jesus Christ. Most special outreach that they have especially to my heart because this is the promise that the Lord gave me over 13 years ago probably about 15 years ago when he said you will reach more through the children than you'll ever reach alone and uh, he gave me Psalm 127 3 is arrows in the hand of a mighty man so our children of the youth they will not be ashamed but they will subdue conquer the enemy at the gate and the neat thing is this place is called gate 2 which means it's a gate from Burma to Thailand so most trafficking is done here uh, it's just another hub, another hub of illegal, uh, illegal things coming over and just human trafficking. And so I didn't even know the fullness of the promise. But right now, behind my shoulder, this is the fullness of the promise of God that he told me. And he also said that uh, when you change a generation, that generation will change their nation. And so it's neat to see this generation of rescued girls healed children, them changing this nation, Thailand, but also the nation right over that river where, where there's a huge temple on that side, the nation of Burma. And so it's not just one nation, but they're changing nations from this one spot right here. So I guess this to me is just such, this is the emphasis of what we're all about. And, and this encompasses everything right here. We have started as a home for street kids. We started rescuing kids on the Thai side of the border, and uh, but some of them were still on the Burma side. And we knew we couldn't get them over the Thai side or it would be like trafficking. So we said, we have to do something on the Burma side. Around that time, I was looking over, and um, Myanmar was closed. We couldn't really get in, and we couldn't do anything. But I was praying, I was walking up and down our border and around the Friendship Bridge, and I was praying, and the Lord gave me the scripture, and He said, I will open the double doors before you, and I will give you treasures in darkness. And I knew that those treasures in darkness were the street kids and the begging kids and the kids that had just been thrown away and the the laboring kids, the slave labor kids. And so from that, around that time, God opened the door and we started rescuing the street kids on the Burma side. We opened up a feeding center and we started feeding them. And then we started negotiating with their parents and the different owners to let them go to school. 17 street children used to be on the streets, barefoot, begging. They'd have to make about 70 baht a day, which is $2.10. If they wouldn't bring that home, they'd get beaten before you would ask them what do they want to be when they grow up and none of them would know and they never had that chance to even dream or think about what they want to be. Now they have a future full of hope, just full of expectation. They're getting an education and they're not destined to be beggars, traffic, just street children that's why we named this home House of Hope. House of Hope for these street children. House of Hope for their future. House of Hope for their lives. a whole lot easier to watch it than for me to tell you all of that going on. We have 120 rescued children in our four different safe homes in Thailand and in Burma. We're going to start a work in Brazil. Uh, it's on the back burner right now until I get through with everything with the government in Thailand. But we also, and then what you see daily, weekly, monthly, we're preventing hundreds of children. We su- support hundreds of schools and homes and prevention projects where we're preaching the gospel. We're doing two One, bringing them Jesus because it's doesn't matter what kind of social thing you do, unless you bring the gospel and the power to change that situation, things will never change. And so we bring them Jesus and we bring them uh, just relief and support and help. And so that's our two vision is at-risk children and the gospel. And so you saw in there how the two go hand in hand. It's pretty incredible. So we're reaching hundreds and not only are we reaching them, but our kids are reaching them. It's super incredible what's going on. I wanted to share this scripture with you because I have something for the youth. I really am glad that the youth's in here and that they saw that. Um, this is the scripture that the Lord gave me. That boy, if you could put his picture up, Nietzsche, uh, actually, I'm not supposed to say his name, <laughs> but uh, he's, uh, he was four years old and he was the breadwinner for the mamasans. And actually the mamasans, they call them big mamas or big grandmas, and they're the owners of these kids and they're, they're all tatted up. I mean, they're crazy women, honestly. and we negotiated with them twice to try to let this boy go. but he was their number one breadwinner and would make about two dollars and ten cents a day. And if he didn't, he'd get beaten. And so, I mean, he, you see what he looked like when he first got to us. Well, we fixed our eyes on him for some reason. God just had us to rescue him. But I need to tell you the story because it's, it's cr- pretty, pretty crazy. Um, we are right there at the border, and there's soldiers there. Uh, your team has been to the border. They see they're just armed soldiers all the time with AK-47s. It's just how it goes. There's Thailand, and then there's soldiers on the other border, and there's brothels. There's everything. So it's, it's crazy. It's like the wild, wild west right there. And uh, there were soldiers, and we saw Nithwe. What had happened is we rescued that. Uh, the girl and the boy before, and then we rescued another kid. And so because of that, the mafia was scared of us. They thought that we were going to get his number one maker, so they took all of their children off the street for a month. And we had to lay low for a little bit. But then at one time, I took a team over there, and we're prayer walking, and Nietzsche was there. And literally, so what I did was I grabbed him to go, and he he was freaked out, right? We usually don't do rescue cases like this, but I knew that this is what the Lord said. Don't try this at home. Don't practice this. Don't just go out there and grab some. Okay. It doesn't, it doesn't happen in America that way. And so there's other ways in America, but anyways, I grabbed him. And, uh, and then the, one of the mama owners, the grandma owner, she grabbed me and she's like 50, right? And she's strong. And she grabbed my arm and literally she grabbed his arm. Like, we're not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere with him. You know, you better let him go. And so I'm wrestling with a 50 year old woman, which is so not right in my culture. And I don't do that. You know, I'm very respectful, but this woman that's, she owns him. She's the owner. So anyways, uh, we I had some of my team, and I said, you latch on. I know this is hard for you, but latch on to that woman and latch on this little boy and don't let him go. And I ran over to the soldiers, and I said, hey, you, come with me. And they, okay. And they came, like five of them, seriously. And they just followed me. There was just a, a, an authority or a grace that came on me. The Spirit of the Lord came on me to do what was needed to be done at that moment. So I said, you come. They came, and we came up. And when we were walking, the grandma thought, the owner thought I was bringing the soldiers soldiers for her to arrest her, so she was scared. She let go of that boy and disappeared. I grabbed that boy and jumped in the van, and the soldiers didn't even know what happened, (laughs) and so and they, they had no clue. They were like, okay, go ahead, whatever, you know, and so I'm telling you, it's pretty crazy how because people say, "How do you do it? How are you in these situations? Aren't you afraid? Aren't you you know all these different things?" And I'm not even five foot, but the crazy thing is, I've never been afraid once. And this is what I want to share with you because God wants to use you so much greater than you think, than your capacity. And there's so many limits that we put on ourselves in these days, and God wants to do incredible, mind-blowing things through you. And we need to take the limits off, and we need to stretch out of ourselves, and we. Need Need to enlarge our tent, and we need to let God use us like never before because somebody's waiting on the other side of your obedience. Lives are waiting on the other side of that door that you need to walk through and the impossible things that you need to do. There's somebody waiting for you to answer the call of God or to answer God. I'm t- there's so much. That I have in my heart for you because he doesn't want to just use me, he wants to use you. But until you're aware of these things, until you're so conscious of him and just his presence and him using you, you know, until you are there saying, Here am I, like use my hand to pull somebody out of a wheelchair, here am I, like use me to rescue children, here am I, no matter how young or how old, until you get to this point and not just a going to church deal, you'll never see these things. But there's so much to be seen and there's so much to to do on the earth it, you know the, this family they weren't the only ones being attacked I had some other pastor friends it has been crazy this world is getting darker this earth is getting darker but where the dark shines the dark where the darks the strongest in the darkest the light shines the brightest and you need to know you have the power on the inside of you that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world how do we know that greater is us is, is he that's in us than the Buddhist government than the mafia than everyone going on greater the greater one lives on the inside of us and when you walk in that consciousness and you walk in that authority and you walk in who he is in you who he is in you and what he wants to do through you then there's no stopping you you become unstoppable I want I want you to see this so you saw we rescued that little boy from the mafia literally again they cleaned the streets of the kids and we had to lay low for a little bit and then that's when we started a home inside Burma okay how's the hope for street kids that home, I'm telling you, there's brothels there. The way it started was uh, we were walking up and down that border, and I zoomed in. I showed my friends. The, I said, that's a brothel over there. And we zoomed in with, a pic, with the camera, and we saw four little girls, ages 10 to 12, getting their wet hair brushed and had a big mirror. And there was an 18-year-old boy standing there, in, a, in, in Mexicans, we call them wife beaters, but it's a muscle man tank top. And I know it's not politically correct. I'm sorry. But it, I live, I'm, I've live. i lived in Thailand for 14 years, so you could excuse me. Okay. Okay, I'm from the jungles. And so anyways, standing at the door right there and another uh, guy brush, another young guy, probably 17, 18, brushing the girl's hair. And I knew it was a little girl's brothel. And I remember looking and saying, God, there's nothing I can do. Like how, what can I do? There's soldiers there with guns. There's soldiers here with guns. They'll grab me and throw me in jail for trafficking. There's nothing I could do. And the spirit of God just rose up on the inside and said, there's always something you can do. And I want to show you this scripture, Isaiah 45. And, I, and there's so much in this that I just want to share. And this is, you know, we're going to do something different tonight. I know people do their little picture and then their little presentation. But there's so much that I, I want to get into you tonight that we're just going to flow. Is that okay? Okay. Uh, Isaiah 45. And it says, "...thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have held, I have strengthened and sustained." to subdue nations before him and to loose the armor of kings, to open before him the double doors so that the gates will not be shut. I will go before you and I will make the crooked places straight. Another translation says, I will make the mountains low. I will trample down the walls. Okay, whatever mountains there are between you and the promises of God or the vision or the dream that God gave you, he promises right there, I will make him straight. For me, it was the government. That was my deal. And keep looking. Let's see. And it says, to open before him the double doors so that the gates will not be shut. I will go before you and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that you may know that I, the Lord, who call you by your name, am the God of Israel. For Jacob, my servant's sake, and Israel, my elect, I have even called you by your name. I have named you, though you have not known me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. There is no God. God, besides me, I will gird you, though you have not known me, that they, that they may know. Here's the whole purpose, not that you're a rock star, but that they may know from the rising of the sun to its setting that there is none besides me. That is the whole purpose. Okay, Cyrus, this, Isaiah wrote it, he was a prophet, and he was calling this, he had never met Cyrus. This was a hundred years before they said, and he said, Cyrus, he saw, and he said, there's going to be a guy, his name is Cyrus. The Lord's going to strengthen him. He's going to uphold him. He's going to use him to do great things, and he had never seen Cyrus, but the prophet was saying what's going to happen. He said, he didn't even know him, and this is what he's going to do, and you this is what was in my heart. I was looking at that for you. You know, I didn't know the Lord, and the Lord, had called me. I was not raised in a Christian home. I was raised in California. I mean, that is like Crazy Sin City, you know, like California is crazy, crazy, crazy. And so I did, I was not raised in a Christian home. I did not know Jesus at all, but he knew me. And when I was eight years old, I was watching a show. Um, I think I had t- told you guys this. I was watching a show. It was like a Feed the Children, and there's little kids from Africa, and there was uh, like flies landing on, on them. And it was sad. They couldn't move. They were so weak. They didn't have any food, and their bellies were protruded. And I was with my big Mexican family. We had so much food and tamales. We don't do queso, so we didn't have queso. We had every we had everything else. Queso is so weird to me. It's like Velveeta. But anyways, we had everything else. <laughs> it's a white form of Velveeta. We had everything else and we had so many presents because Mexicans have big, big families. So we had so many presents. And I remember seeing that show and watching it. I couldn't hear any sounds around me anymore. And I just was so fixated on that show. And I was only eight. And I started crying. I just started crying. And I went into the room where all the presents were. And when I went into that room right there, I remember looking at the star and saying, God, I want to send my Barbies to Ethiopia. I want to send my Barbies to Ethiopia. Please, I want to send my Barbies to Ethiopia. And I started crying. I couldn't get that picture of those kids out of my mind. And yet, and so my mom came in and she's like, why are you crying? And I said, "Mom, I want to send my Barbies to Ethiopia. And she said, I don't know how to get them to Ethiopia. You know, just be thankful for what you have. And we didn't know any churches. We didn't know anybody doing Operation Christmas Blessing or anything like that. And so we didn't know how to get my Barbies to Ethiopia. So fast I was only eight, right? Fast forward, I was about 27 in the villages in the war zone area. It's freezing cold. We went up there. I was doing some outreaches, preaching the gospel. I went up there. We would go to go to sleep and we're freezing. There's like three uh, single missionary girls were are freezing, sitting there. And all of a sudden, we heard these beautiful voices outside our window. And we heard and I, I we got up and we said, What is that? What in the world? It's freezing out there. Who's out there? And we saw a row of like 20 orphans and they were singing and they were so little and they had shorts and clothes with holes on, and, you know, they were just so, I mean, it was freezing, and here they are singing, and so I asked our interpreter, what are they doing? What's going on? Like, why are these kids in the cold like this? And she said, they're orphans. Their parents had been killed in the war, and they had come over from Burma, and she said, because they're Christians, they believe in Jesus, and they have nothing to give for Christmas, so they give their voices wherever they go, and I just stood there, and I was just so like, oh my gosh. They didn't know I had tubs of stuff, like chocolate milk, and beanies, and sweaters, and trucks and cars and do- t- dolls, everything. So I ran around. I said, tell them to wait. Tell them to wait. And we just loaded them up. They had to grab their shirt like this and put everything in. We threw beanies on their head. We threw jackets. We threw sweaters. One little girl, we gave her a doll. And one little girl, she looked at it and all of a sudden she goes, ah! And then she threw it and it went flying over to the other end. And so I ran over there. I picked it up. I was like, what's wrong? What's wrong? It's okay. You know, well, what happened? happened. And the girl, what happened is the doll's eyes go back like this when you lead it back. It's one of those dolls, right? And so the girl had never seen a doll in their li- in her life, so she thought it was alive. And so we told her, no, no, it doesn't. And so she's like, oh, okay, you know, because she had never seen a doll in her life. And you should have saw those kids. They put it back in the plastic, and they were holding it in the plastic, and they're taking the car and trying to go in the plastic in the dirt. And I said, no, tell them it's theirs. I, We got it for them. Take it out of the plastic. It's theirs. And they said, no. They said they want to keep it. This is the only toy they've ever owned in all of their life, and they'll never have another one, and they want to keep it for as long as they can. They want to try to keep it forever, and I just went back that night, and I was just crying, you know, and God said, do you remember when you were eight years old? He said, you didn't know me, but I knew you, and I chose you, and I knew you would be here when you were 28 years old, and he said, and now I'm going to use you to clothe orphans all over the world, where you're going to do Christmas in their hands, heaven in their hearts, and what I put in your heart when you were eight years old, when you didn't know me, but yet I knew you. I didn't come to know the Lord until I was 19 years old. When you didn't know me, I put that in your heart, and I was already working in your heart. And now you're going to do Christmas in their hands and heaven in their hearts, and you're going to in Christmas, and you're going to bring your dolls and your Barbie dolls to kids until I come back. And to this day, I'm telling you, probably at least 20,000 kids have received a doll or a toy or a beanie or their very first toy ever. We do it every year. And anywhere from 3,000 to 5,000 kids received their very first toy, and it's called Christmas in their hands, heaven in their hearts. But it was birthed in my heart when I was eight years old. And I tell you, I don't know if your parents know him, if they don't, or what, but he knows you, and he knows your name, and none of that matters. And he's working in your heart now, and you do not... you. Pay attention to that because whatever he's putting in your heart right now, he's going to use you to do something great on this earth in this generation. You saw those ones preaching. They weren't all old. It's my 14-year-old. It's my 15-year-old. It's my 16-year-old. It's my 13-year-old. My 12-year-olds that are preaching the gospel, that are laying hands on the sick. We were in our outreach team as our kids. And so we're in an outreach team meeting, and we're praying, and, and they lead people to the Lord every Saturday. You saw them pray and lead people to the Lord. They do it every Saturday, hundreds of people every Saturday. Every Saturday. Well, then I told him, I just had it in my heart, and I said, God, I said, kids, you know, we're good at leading people to Jesus. That's what we do, but he wants to show off, and he wants to do miracles, and he wants to heal them, and he wants to use your hands to do it, so let's expect him to do something more. Look in the Bible. Whenever we talked about Jesus, he always confirmed it, and he always showed up. Wherever you talk about Jesus, he always shows up and does miracles, signs, and wonders, so let's pray. Let's expect God to move. Let's expect more supernatural and the power of God. I was telling these kids, right? So we're sitting there, and while that's happening, I feel the presence of God on me so strong. And all of a sudden, I look at my kids, and they just, tears are streaming. They said, my hands are on fire. Like, when you're talking about this, I can feel God. Like, my something's happening. Like, my numb, my arm's going numb all the way from the top all the way to my fingertips. So they're like, we can feel God. We can sense God. Like, this is his presence. This, And I said, okay, this is what you take next Saturday. This is what you take next Sunday. And when somebody doesn't believe you about Jesus, just say, can I pray for you? You. let me pray for you can God show you that he's real and I said and you just get out there on faith and you just do it and you let God show up and you should let God show off, and you don't be afraid or ashamed amen he wants to use you even though you don't know him he knows you okay sorry I had to get that out I have so much I have to get out uh, can we go ahead and and show that next uh, slide and then we'll get into the the word so I wanted to give you guys this. I usually don't ever do this, but it's so huge that I have to I have to show it like with pictures. So when I was in Brazil, uh, one of the pastors came up to me and he said, the government is going to come to you and ask you what to do with their children. And I had already known that. Like God had showed me that's how I'm going to reach nations. I'm an evangelist. And, that, and I said, God, I, I'll, I, I'm I i not a babysitter. I want to reach thousands. And he said, you will set up a social welfare system. And from that, you'll reach these children, Buddhist, Hindu, Muslim, the ones that don't know me in these dark." nations. You'll raise up a generation that knows me and you'll reach that nation. You will change a generation and you'll reach that nation. Well, when God tells you you're going to do a social welfare system, like it's kind of big and you kind of don't even, you're like, all right, I'll just let you go ahead and do it because I don't even know where in the world to start. So I was there and and that's when the pastor said, the government is going to come to you and ask you what to do with their children. I get back to Thailand two months later. You go to the next slide. Two months later, that's actually the governor, and that that's our office right there, and it's darkened because you can't see their face uh, just for their, because I'd get in big trouble to show it, and they literally, that's me, that's Cindy, my right hand, and uh, they literally said... The government homes are full. There are 60 children trafficked daily on this border from Burma to Thailand and sold down to Bangkok. The government homes are full. We have 500 children in the government homes. We're turning away children. We don't know where to send them. We have nowhere to send them. Will you be the first govern- government-recognized safe home on our border? Will you be ready to take in hundreds of kids? You will be the only one that we send all of these kids to. And so that they met with us. They said we've had secret negotiations. We had to comply with about 45 things. Now we're about halfway down the list. This is huge. We're going to be the first government safe home in our whole city, in our whole region. Like, it's crazy. I'm going to start getting hundreds of kids from the droves. So it's just been huge. And this is about the time that you guys were going to come up. So all of this kind of it worked out. We need you now. You guys need to come up now. Obviously we have a lot of work to do so we need you now. But during that time, do you understand how huge it is? Do you understand when governments come? The Bible Says, Kings will come to your rising to the glory of the Lord, the presence of God upon you. And so, when God gets so upon you, and when you do what He's telling you to do, and His presence is so there, I'm telling you, people take notice, people get saved, people want to come and see what the Lord is doing, they want to come and see what's going on. Why are you different? What in the world is happening? Why is your business so blessed? Why are you so different from us? Why are you not worried about these things that we're worried about? Kings will come to your rising wherever the presence of God is. He wants to show up and he wants to show off through his children in the last days. Why? So that they may know him, right? So that they will know there's no other besides me. There's no other God. There's no other religion. There's nothing else. There's no other relationship. There's no other besides him. Amen. Go ahead and go to the next one. So that's uh, chief of police, the governor, all of them. And basically, they st- we stood up in that meeting, and they said, this is life impact. This is where all the rescued and begging kids will go to in the future. Go ahead and go to the next one. Okay, this is the huge thing that's going on that I, I needed a picture. You go to the next one, sorry. Go to the next one from there. Okay, the reason why this is so huge we're doing, they're in Southeast Asia right now. The whole Southeast Asia is coming together, forming a union called ASEAN. This is all the way up to China and all the way down to Singapore. And all of these countries are connecting, right? They're starting to teach my kids Cambodian and Chinese and all these different languages. They don't realize my kids are going to be missionaries to these countries. But, so so all of these countries are, are coming together. And that line up there, I can't. I wish I had a pointer, but in Thailand... Uh, the, where Thailand and Burma meet, the crazy thing is my land, the promised land, the land that God gave me 25 acres is right where they meet. My land is right on this new Asian highway. It's going to be the new Silk Road and the new trafficking road. And we're not only going to rescue children from Thailand and Burma, we're going to rescue children from, from China, from Cambodia, from Laos, from Bangladesh, children that were going to be trafficked to Singapore. Our land is right on this place. You could go to the right. Go ahead and go to the, uh, keep going. Sorry, that's like in my mind. That's <laughs> so the, land, uh, the road is right here, and this is going to be a safe house. This is going to be a, a beacon of light, of hope. We're going to set up, because we have favor with the government, we're going to set up our own rescue task force, our own rescue trained task force, and I'm going to be able to rescue children legally and snatch them straight on that road and bring them straight to this safe place. So it's so incredible. Keep going. You keep going. That's a Keep going. Sorry. So these are our kids. And I'm telling you, these kids, this Asian, I know, I don't know if you guys have heard it on this side of the world, but it's a big deal to us. Our kids have started to have dreams and visions. That one girl right there that's, uh, that she has her eyes closed. She has her hair braided right in front of the guy's head. She had a, she came to me and she said, mom, mom, I need to tell you something. And I said, what? And she said, I had a dream, but you know, a dream, not a normal dream, and I said, yeah, I know, and she's like, like a God dream, and I said, yeah, what, what happened? She said, I saw an ID card, and on this ID card, you have to remember, she's been trafficked, so she does not have any kind of ID card. She's brought from Burma to Thailand, so she's not a citizen. She's never had an ID card in her life, and she said, on this ID card, on the top, it said Asian." And she said, and it had my picture, and she goes, and then I looked up from it, and I went up these stairs onto an airplane, and then I got on the airplane, and I came down from the airplane, and when I came down, it was all dark people with dark skin, and she goes, I think maybe Malaysia or something like that, but they were all darker skin, and she goes, and then I looked, and the Crowd of people. They divided it in two sections, and one had the sign, those who don't know me, and the other had the sign, those who do know me. And there was a lot more people on the side that's under the sign that said, those who don't know me. So I got off the plane and I walked towards the ones that said, those who don't know me, and I woke up. Could God be calling me to be a missionary to Malaysia and to these other countries? I'm telling you. And then this girl right here to the right of her that has her hand on that man praying, that man got healed and got saved right there in our little food court in Thailand. Uh, The girl to the right of her with the braids. Uh, she said, can I, can I tell you something? I said, yeah. She said, I had a dream. And she said she was swinging on a swing, and all of a sudden she looked to the right, and Jesus was swinging with her. And he said, she said, and then at that time, Jesus took his hand and put it in my heart, like put it in my chest, and he took out my heart. And then I saw a map, and he started putting my heart in all the different places on the map in all these different countries, in China, in Laos, in all these different countries. Could he be calling me to be a missionary to the to, Southeast Asia. So my kids are having visions and dreams and leading people, and they are my missionaries. I'm telling you, this is what's going on. It's crazy what's happening in the last days. Amen. So turn over to Exodus. That was a lot of information to get to you guys, but there's just so much Pray for us. Right now, I'm still in talks with the government. This should be done in about six months, but this is huge, and we are reaching not only Thailand and Burma, but when that opens up, we're going to reach all the way up to China and all the way down to Singapore, and my kids are the army that the Lord told me that they were going to be, and they're going to be the missionaries. It's pretty incredible, huh? Thank you, Mita team. You guys did a great job. Turn over to Exodus, and I'm going to try to get into some of my message. I know I don't have that much time, so... I have probably technically 15 minutes, (laughs) so I'll talk really fast. Exodus 35, and I want to start at, just for sake of time, we'll go to Exodus 35, 30, and we'll go down, and we'll keep reading down 36 uh, through 7, to 7, I'm sorry, 36, 1 through 7, so. And it says, And Moses said to the children of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, the, of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding, in knowledge in all manner of workmanship, to design artistic works, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting jewels for setting, and carving wood, and in work in all manner of artistic workmanship. And he has put in his heart the ability to teach. In him, and Eolab, the son of uh, Mak. (laughs) of the tribe of Dan, he has filled them with skill to do all manner of work of the engraver and the designer and of the tapestry maker in blue, purple and scarlet thread and fine linen and of the weaver, those who do every work and those who design artistic works and Bezalel and Eliab. And every gifted artesian in whom the Lord has put wisdom and understanding to know how to do all manner of work, look at this, for the service of the sanctuary, for the service of his house, for the service of his kingdom, shall do according to all that the Lord has commanded. Then Moses called Bezalel and Eliab and every gifted artesian in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom, everyone whose heart was stirred to come and do the work. And they received from Moses all of the offering which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of making the sanctuary so they continued bringing to him free will offerings every morning then all the craftsmen who were doing all the work of the sanctuary came each from the work he was doing and they spoke to Moses saying the people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord has commanded us to do so Moses gave a commandment and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp saying let neither man nor woman do any more work for the offering of the sanctuary and the people were restrained from bringing for the material that they they had brought; it was sufficient for all the work to be done. Indeed, too much. Now that is huge. When the preachers start saying, "Stop bringing the money and stop bringing stuff," like that's really huge, right there. Okay, with when our orphanages and our homes start saying, "Stop, stop!" It's way too much. That's a huge day, right there. But I want to tell you, I read all of that, and it's very hard to read. But I read all of that just to say. There are still giftings on the inside of you for the work of God on the earth that you don't even know about. There's giftings that God's put on the inside of you and if you, let, if you tap into what he's put on the inside of you that have not been tapped into yet, that has not happened yet, that has not come out yet, maybe you're operating in some of it, but there are still giftings and when you completely let God maximize in that and you take the limits off of yourself and you just enlarge your tent and when you do that and you get out of yourself and you step out on the water, when you do that, I'm telling you, then that's when the work of God gets done on the earth, and that's when Jesus comes back. In every single one of us, in every single one of us, there's giftings of God. It's not just the preachers, it's not just the pastors. There are giftings that God's put in you, and young people, I'm telling you, I don't care what people have told you, I don't care what words have been spoken on your life, there's gifts of God on the inside of you. There's greatness, and there's potential in you. I'm telling you, to do great things for God on the earth, and we believe in you and we believe that that greatness will come out, that God has put things in you that you don't even realize. The Bible says that he works in us to make us willing to do of his good pleasure. He And so sometimes it seems so natural. We think it's just us. Oh, I just love children and so it's just me. But we don't realize that it's God working in us to will and to do of his good pleasure and there's still giftings on the inside of you. I'm telling you, there's a resource that if we let God use us in the ways that he wants to use us, this job will get done. There will be more than enough for the work of God on the earth to build this church, to reach Sulphur Springs, to reach Dallas, to reach Texas, to reach the world. If we let God really use us in the way he wants to and if we let him and get out of ourselves and step out of fear, if we do that and let those giftings come to the table, God can build his work. He can build his house at the way church. He can do so, we can do so much more and this job will be done. He wants to use you in the last days to build his kingdom. The Bible, you know, the, uh, uh, Jeff was telling me how you guys have been talking about the, the tabernacle and the temple, and I love it And that he, how he's just been, you guys have been going along the road of uh, God is, his presence is wherever his people are, right? Is that where you guys have been flowing? And it's been awesome because I've been in there too, but from a different angle of, God, what can I build in my generation like this? like as a monument to you with my life what can i do that i can in the end in the in my generation in my time what can i do for you on this earth you know solomon built the greatest most beautiful tabernacle of the Lord, right? He It was it was gorgeous. The queen of Sheba came to see it. It's like the president or the governor coming to see it. Solomon did that in his generation. The Bible says he was young and he was inexperienced, but it was in his father's heart. It was in David, his father's heart. It was in his father God's heart. And there are thing in father God's heart that he wants to put in your heart that he wants you to use. And you think I'm young, I'm inexperienced, I can't do it. My personality doesn't have the capacity to do it. I, I've already messed up. I have too many kids. I'm too old. My time's gone. It's late. It's too late. My health won't allow me to do it, but I'm telling you, whatever is in God's heart and whatever is in the Father God's heart, he needs someone to say, I'll do it in my generation. I will leave that legacy. That's how I will go out of this earth. That's what I will leave. That's what I will build on this earth. That's what, if it takes everything, all my resources, all my giftings, all of my time, everything I have, this is what I'm doing, and this is what I'm building on this earth in these last days amen I believe it so strongly I believe it so so strongly Acts 3 and I have to close with this because I'm done and I want to pray for um I want to pray for the youth after this so Acts 3 if we can go there all right 10 minutes guys (laughs) Acts 3 Now Peter and John went up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain man, wait wait a second, wait a second, really quick, Pastor Sherry, sorry I keep coming to you, (laughs) I just felt like when I was reading that, that there are so many more giftings in you that so are getting pulled out and need to be pulled out because they need them, this church needs them, there's so much on the inside of you for this church, for this house, for here, there's so much, and I feel like, you're already gifted and God's using you but I feel like like I just see you at 50% like of what you're using that's on the inside and there's 50% more like you're just operating at maximum capa- at, at, at half capacity of what God wants to do and how God wants to use you and what people need and the gifting that's on the inside of you like half of your capacity can you imagine when the limits has come out and you are in full capacity and so I just felt like that like like the limits are coming off right and the and I'm telling they're going to drink of it and they're going to receive from it and there's so many giftings for us that we need and there's people waiting on the other side of your obedience and that gifting so okay sorry so acts 3 Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms for those who entered the temple. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. And so he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and he lifted him up, and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with him, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, as a lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which was called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you look so intently at a?" Uh-huh. <laughs> at us as through our own power or our own godliness we have made this man walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for murder to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life whom God raised from the dead of which we are all witnesses. And his name through faith in his name has made this man strong whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him perfect soundness in the presence of you all so what I want you to see is in verse four and it says fixing his eyes on him with John Peter said look at us and that it, it and studied out it says looking intently and whenever there was a miracle gonna happen whenever this situation happened again in the Bible where you could look I think it's Acts 3 14 and it it it, there's two other times where it says this, Acts, I'm sorry, 13.9 and 14.9. There's two other times. And whenever he looks intently, whenever he, there's, there's a, it says, and he looked intently at him, and this happened. And he looked intently at him, and this miracle happened. Whenever that happened, and he said, look on us, and the man looked on him expecting to receive something, whenever that happened, he was in a zone. And in that zone, he was, he, it was just, he was in this God zone, so to say, that he didn't care what people thought, he didn't care... That there was a miracle about to happen and we need to live in that zone where God could use us in a consciousness of God such as I have given to you rise in the name of Jesus and walk because in the last days that's what people are going to need in awareness how can I just go up and command soldiers to come with me because I have to walk with a daily consciousness of the greater one lives in me greater than the mafia greater than the government greater than Buddhism the greater one lives in me anywhere I go and I need to be completely conscious of him every day and even though you are not on the mission field and you're not in Thai-Burma border. The world around you is dark and people need the gifting of God that's on the inside of you. You are carrying their miracle. You are carrying their answer. You are carrying it. And God, God could do anything. He's all sovereign. He's all powerful. He can just do that and make that person rise up. He can, he can do miracles, but he has chosen to use us earth and vessels in the last days. He could have healed that man at the beautiful gate, but he chose to use his hand. He needed, he had all the power and that's why said, why do you look at me as my own godliness or my own power that I made this man walk? It wasn't his own godliness. It wasn't his power. It wasn't that he fasted and prayed for all these hours and then all of a sudden went out filled. What it was was he was so conscious of who he had and what he had and what he was carrying on the inside of him. He had Jesus, the one that conquered death, hell, and the grave, the miracle worker. And he was so conscious of that. And so he said, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give to you. He knew what he had. He knew who he was. He knew who is on the inside of, us, of him and we need to know what we have we need to know what we're carrying we need to know who's on the inside of us we have to be so aware and so conscious of that because God can do anything but he chooses to use our hands Will you let him use your hand to do a miracle on the earth? Will you let him use your hand to build his kingdom? Will you come out of yourself and get out on the water and risk looking a fool or God not showing up and looking dumb or or caring what people think? Will you do that for him to use your hand and to do a miracle? Because if you, you... Just live safe and don't ever give him your hand. You'll never see the miraculous. You'll always operate at such a different level than God has for you. He never wanted this to be a mamsy pantsy religion. He always wanted to demonstrate and show up and show off. And he always wanted to use his people. And he needs your hand in the last days. And so my heart to you today, my cry to you today is will you let him use your hand to build his kingdom on this earth? Amen. Stand up. I want to pray for you guys. He knew what he had on the inside. He was conscious. He, had, he said, silver and gold do I not have, but such as I have I give unto you. You know, um, I'm going to get up here so I could see all you guys. But I remember when I got saved when I was 19 years old, and I remember going to this church, and it was all older people. There was a—all uh, the, all us young people were getting people saved. We're filling up our car. We're going into the grocery stores, and we're t- uh, taking people's groceries to their car and helping load it. And then we'd witness to them, lead them to Jesus, and bring them to church the next Sunday. That's what we did every Friday night, every Saturday. And uh, we were having revival in our church because of the young people that had gotten saved. And from that, I remember there was one time I was sitting in church, and I remember looking at the people that had been there for like 10 years, and they're still going outside and smoking a cigarette and, you know, coming back. And I'm not saying anything about smoking cigarettes. Or anything like that. But what I'm saying is they didn't change. There was no power. There's no demonstration. There's no operation. You could play softly. There was no operation of God in their life. And I remember saying to God, if I'm gonna do this Christianity thing, you see I was Catholic. I was raised Catholic and I didn't know Jesus. He was on the cross and he never came off the cross and into my heart. And I said, if I'm gonna do this Christianity thing, God, I don't wanna do it like that. I don't wanna do it or I don't I, I don't wanna do it like that. I remember a preacher came to the church. And I remember he was up there, and he was—he had words, and, and God was using him greatly. He was praying for people, and he knew Jesus. He knew God. And I saw the power of God on him, and I said, God, if I'm going to do this Christianity thing, I want to do it like that. I want to know you. I want to know that power, that resurrection power, because that's what's going to change me, and that's what's going to change lives. I want to know you that way, and I want to operate with you that way, and, and I just remember that cry of my heart, and I feel like in the last days, it needs to be the cry of our heart that we don't operate in, in, in anything less than the capacity that God has for us, that we take the limits off, that we enlarge our tents that we don't, we don't let anything hold us back. Right now, we have to all hold barred. We need to throw ourselves to the call and the purpose and building the kingdom on the earth. It's crazy. Governments are coming to us. It's crazy what's going on. And he needs you. It needs to be a radical faith. It needs to be a radical sellout. It needs to be just a radical of, okay, I, I come out of myself. I stretch. I take the limits off God. Use my hand. You want me to witness to somebody in there? You want me to pull somebody out of a wheelchair? You want me to go and pray for somebody? It needs to be radical like that now because it's getting darker. It's getting crazier. It's getting darker. And so it causes, but wherever it's darker, the light shines brighter. You know why I'm halfway around the world in a jungle? Because the light shines so much brighter in the darkness you know, and it's so dark there, but the light is so much brighter, and that's why we get to see the supernatural. We get to see the miracles. We, need to, we get to see these things, but you'll never see them unless you put yourself in that situation. Put yourselves in situations to be used by God at work, at school, wherever you're at. You don't have to go and be a missionary. You could do it right here. There's people that need Jesus right here. Like, you you don't have to go halfway around the world. But what you do need to know is to know him and to lean on him and to rely on him like you're living in the war zone or like you're working on the border with the mafia. If you get that hunger and that dependence and that consciousness of such as I have, where I have my spiritual antennas up and I'm so aware of him in me. And if he says, do this, talk to this person, pray for this person, don't just say, I'll put you on my prayer group list. You know, that's great. I appreciate that. But if that person needs healing or hope or help, just say, Hey, can I pray for you right now and just see what God's going to do? I'm not saying I'm going to do anything. It's not my own power or godliness. It's his. So can I just pray for you and see maybe God show up, like, in in your life or something? You know, like, it's that simple. It's so that simple. Can you imagine if we all took our gifts and the giftings that God put on the inside of us and put it on the table? This job would be done. The work of God on the earth would be done. I want to be a part of that. Don't you? Yes? One quick thing, one quick thing, Um, in talking about giftings, so, uh, sir, if God wants to use you in a different gifting, it's okay, there's so many giftings to be used, sometimes we get so used to God using us in one way, you know, even for me, like, when I go to Brazil, I get to just preach, preach, preach. And I just cry because I'm like, God, I miss this. But when I go to Thailand, I'm like the governor, you know. And so and I'm like, God, I'm so not used to this. I have a high school education. I don't have any degree or anything for to, to train me to, you know, to be operating in this. You know, I hate paperwork. I hate being organized. I'm Mexican, so I'm late to everything. At least 15 minutes late, you know. <laughs> At least 15 minutes late to everything. And you're making me a CEO of an international organization that's going to set up social welfare systems you know <laughs> i'm probably gonna be late to the meeting with the governor you know so i mean but it, and so when i go to brazil i'm like oh i love to be used like this i just cry like god can i be used like this god, he knows you know and even though something feels so natural to us to be used in one way don't limit god don't limit god there's so much more giftings there's so much more giftings don't limit god in your life amen Youth, I want to pray for you, okay? Can you lift your hands? I want God to touch you in just a supernatural way. I don't know how much more time we have. Like, Okay. All right. Uh, All right. I'll just go ahead and stay there because it'll take time. Close your eyes. Don't look to the right or the left. I want God to speak to you, and I want you to listen because I believe he said in the last days he's going to use children and youth. And that you're going to be arrows in the hand of a mighty man. And so I just want to pray for you guys. You guys have greatness on the inside of you. You have destiny on the inside of you. You guys are success waiting to happen. You're beautiful. You have value. You are not a good for nothing. You are smart. Seriously, you got everything. Your guys' hand touch prospers. You are not fatherless. You have a father. You have a Father that believes in you, that loves you, that's provided for you. You're not alone. He believes in you. Everyone stretch forth your hand to youth, or if you have youth close to you, just put your hand on them. Father, I thank you for this chosen generation that you are using in the last days. Father, I thank you right now, just like when I was eight years old and I didn't know you, and you dropped destiny in my heart, and you dropped vision in my heart when I was eight years old. Father, I thank you right now, just dropping vision and destiny in their hearts, Father. If they're supposed to be missionaries, if they're supposed to be businessmen for you, if they're supposed to be in government or in the police force, we need light all over the world. We need light all over the world. And so, Father, I thank you right now, just dropping your purposes and your destiny in their hearts. Because they need to live focused. They need to be focused on the purpose and know not to look to the right or the left or what their friends are doing or what the temptation is or what's going on. That they won't look to the right or to the left. That they'll know that they're called for a greater purpose, for a greater time. That they've been chosen and destined and called by God. Called out. Called out for a greater purpose than all the junk that their friends are messing up in and getting involved in. They'll know they're set apart for a greater purpose. That when they were in their mother's womb, that they were set apart and they were named and they are called and god knew their name and god destined them and they have a purpose and a destiny on this earth father i thank you you know their name you're the one who named them you called them you call them they are not fatherless they are loved they have an incredible father they have an incredible father that loves them so much and calls them by name father i thank you right now purpose destiny in their hearts destiny in their hearts, visions, dreams in the last days. I thank you for your power and your presence to let them stand up for you and be bold in their schools and to be bold in their situations that they're so conscious of your presence and who you are and the power of God on the inside of them that they'll be able to resist temptation and resist the tactics of the enemy that you're working in them. You're working in them. You're giving them the power to overcome, to conquer, to conquer, to overcome. I thank you for destiny. I thank you for showing them pictures I thank you for vision father in Jesus